What is up, people? You're listening to the Imperial Broadcast. I'm your host, Shamari Stewart, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what's up? Yeah, what's up, Shamari? Another uh, another week for uh, Star Wars fans. Um, we have plenty to talk about when it comes to uh, the Star Wars universe. Um, there was plenty to talk about with the Star Wars Resistance uh, universe uh, or side of the universe. We had a new trailer. Um, we've got plenty of new details on the show that will be premiering this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to be reviewing that first episode for you guys next week, but um, we have plenty to talk about with Star Wars Resistance. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about in terms of the business side of Star Wars. Uh, we've talked a lot about the future of Kathleen Kennedy, um, whether or not she'll be the uh, woman in charge at Lucasfilm going forward or whether or not she'll be replaced. Well, we have that answer. We'll give it to you guys later on in the show. And Bob Iger had some very, very interesting things to say about uh, the Star Wars universe and the reports that the, the Star Wars movies will be put on hold. He uh, confirmed he, he confirmed whether or not those rumors were true, and so we'll talk about that also very shortly. But first, Shamar, I wanted to ask you, uh, did you see the first set pictures for John Favreau's new live-action Star Wars uh, television series that will be premiering on the Disney Play app. Streaming service. Yeah, I mean, I saw those set photos, and there's nothing in those set photos. So there's nothing to see. I'm not sure why. And, I, and of course, I've seen many different stories all over on all kinds of websites. <laughs> Movie websites, comic book websites, first set photos for uh, John Favreau's Star Wars show. And there's nothing there. You know, there's nothing, uh, it's just a set of something, I don't know what it is, it's not like they're in the desert, it's not like they're, it's just a set of some place uh, that isn't really finished being made, it doesn't look like it's a finished set, and you see a bunch of movie people, and you close up, <laughs> someone took a crazy zoomed in shot of Favreau, then he looks all grainy, so it's not, It's there's nothing to talk about with these set photos, so, yeah, there, there are some people that think that that they're 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 teasing a certain location. A lot of people feel like it's uh, Tatooine. I can't confirm it, but that is the, that is the talk. But what we do know is that the show will start filming next week, so we'll have more to talk about and more to say on that show. Obviously, coming up as the filming process starts, we'll get casting news. I would think. I mean, how do we not have any? We don't have any casting news, that, from what I understand. Yeah, we have nothing. We know nothing, and they're apparently they're gonna start filming next week. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, we know nothing about that show, who's gonna be in it, or what. No um, characters. Yeah, what exactly it's about? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have no, no even official word what the name is or what it's about. Yeah, so when we talk about secretive. I mean, we have again rumors and theories on, you know, it'll be based on Mandalore and it'll take place during this time, but nothing concrete from Lucasfilm just yet. Uh, as far as we know, there's more, from Lucasfilm's perspective, there's a better chance we'll see the Ryan Johnson movie than we will see this show because they haven't really told us much about it. Yeah, they haven't told us much about it. Um, but, you know, speaking on, actually speaking on that topic and going back to what you were saying about Iger, so Iger was actually making comments 
regarding what we can see, what we will can hope to see in the future um, in within the Star Wars universe, and what has been going on, and the decisions that have been made regarding uh, Star Wars movies. So, and this is a report coming from um, uh, this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter. So Iger made these comments, and you know, so he was speaking about this, and he was talking about the decision to slow down um, uh, their projects. And he says, um, "This I'm going to read the whole quote. This is very important. It's <laughs> very interesting to dissect." He says, "I made the the timing decision, and as I look back, I think the mistake that I made, I take the blame, was a little too much, too fast." You can expect some slowdown, but that doesn't mean we're not going to make films. JJ is busy making nine. We have creative entities, including um, uh, Benioff and Weiss, who are developing sagas of their own, uh, which we haven't been specific about. And we are just at the point when we're going to start making decisions about what comes next after JJ's. But I think we're going to be a little more careful about volume and timing and the buck stops here on that. So he takes the blame. Iger's jumping, jumping on the grenade. He's taking the blame for, uh, for basically Star Wars kind of falling off the rails and falling off the wagon, or however you want to phrase that. So he's taking the blame. He says it's my, it was my idea. It's my fault. Um, you know. So instead of throwing Kathleen Kennedy under the bus, uh, as we, you know kind of had been assuming may have been going on. <laughs> um, he's actually take, coming, step, stepping up as CEO and saying, yeah, this is my decision. Um, I chose to do this. So um, I'm making the decision that to adjust our strategy. Uh, which is wise. You know, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a situation where maybe is this a little too little too late? You know, like why? But, you know, at least he's making an adjustment. He's listening uh, to the fans, he's being a, um, uh, he's being a, uh, yeah, he's being, he's being active in, in managing his property, you know, and, right. you know, this is very, very much in, well, I wouldn't say it's in, and I'm always bringing up DC, I don't know why I keep bringing up DC on the show, but it seems that it's in contrast to what DC was doing with its movie universe. Um, where it was not listening to the fans, and we're hearing people from inside saying that the executor is just a bunch of suits making decisions and saying you know crazy things like that. Um, now they seem to be making changes, adding people, and going in a different direction. So Star Lucasfilm and I, uh, Iger specifically regarding Star Wars and Star Wars movies seems to be thinking along the lines of we need to make adjustments. We're going to make a change, um, and we're going to slow down this. This thing where we're making Star Wars movies every year because he sees that it's not it's not making the situation. I mean, they're making money, but uh, you know, eventually, and it's kind of leaning to, in that in that route where people are going to start getting sick of it and people are going to get confused. Star Wars is something people should be looking at every year, in the way that MCU is made, where you're confused. You're like, where does this fit in the timeline? What's happening? What's going on with this character and that character? And every year, like that, that's just too much. That's just too much, you know. So, so yeah, I'm liking what I'm hearing from Iger right now. Yeah, uh, for me, this for a lot of people, this feels like a defeat um, because 
we were at a time, I mean, at, coming off of The Force Awakens, people thought I mean, Star Wars was money. You know, The Force Awakens wasn't loved by everybody, but was pretty much universally considered a success from what the bar was usually set for those type of movies. And so Star Wars as a property was on was in fuego. We had Rebels at that time. We had all these new comics that were coming out. And the brand couldn't be any better. And then we had Rogue One, which was also strong, which also did well. Uh, wasn't, like, outstanding. But I would say that was also a, a win for Lucasfilm and Disney. But really this downward trend for Star Wars started with, obviously, The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was an extremely important movie for Disney because you had to separate yourself. You had to separate that movie from The Force Awakens and really make it to where, like, okay, these movies are... It's not like Force Awakens was a novelty because it was the first Star Wars movie we had in over a decade. So people were going to see that movie regardless. Um, That movie... You weren't going to be able to replicate that kind of the hype that was there for that first movie. So, with the second movie, it was less about hype and more about you need a quality movie. And the quality, in many people's eyes, dipped from The Force Awakens, which then really drove a lot of people off. And what really drove the the Star Wars brand for Disney off the cliff was having Solo and releasing Solo. Literally, I'm. Uh, what four or five months after uh, after we had the last Jedi, which also was critically uh, maligned. So that's why we've gotten to this point, and this feels like a loss because this feels like this is the result of those two failures that came consecutively in a very short period of time uh, in movies in movie circles. So. Ultimately, this is probably the step that had to be done, that, that needed to be done if you're Disney, if you're Lucasfilm, because when you look at the Star Wars calendar, we have Episode Nine coming out in, what, December of 2019? And so we have plenty of time for that movie to come out. Uh, the Star Wars brand can breathe, and people can kind of cleanse their minds of the Solo, I mean, people would have completely forgotten about Solo by then. And Episode 8 would have been a long ways away from there. So, the Star Wars brand will have a chance to kind of reinvigorate itself. Um, for me, though, this is a loss because I thought that we had good properties that were on potentially on the way. You know, I wanted to see what, I mean, I guess we're still going to get what the, uh, Benioff and Weiss were going to do. Um, but that seems like that may be a ways away now. Uh, I'm not entirely stoked for the Ryan Johnson movies, and I mean, I guess he didn't even reference those movies, so I guess it may not be happening, but, uh, and then we also have what were reported, the Obi-Wan and Boba Fett movies, which, not a huge fan of the Boba Fett idea, Obi-Wan, obviously I very much want to see, but we're not going to if we're not going to get both of those movies, or either of those movies, that would be a shame. Because Disney feels like Lucasfilm isn't nearly as profitable. Um, and also, we have to remember from Lucasfilm's perspective, I'm I'm pretty sure they made their money back from George Lucas. 
But I think the money they spent to buy Lucasfilm has already been made off of The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rogue One, all these movies. So they can now afford to step back and say, you know what? We're going to handle Star Wars, how we handle every property. We don't need to rush to get our money back. We've made our money back. Everything else that we do now is gravy. Because it's gravy, we're going. I, it's not surprising that Bob Iger says, all right, we can slow down now. We don't need to pump out these movies every six months, every eight months. We can really step back and look at this and not really look at it like the MCU, which I think was always the right idea or was always the wrong idea, I guess, was to look at Star Wars in the same way that we looked at the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I agree. I mean, I think this it's just wise for him to take a step back. I mean, they've made so much money, not even just on the movies, but on the merchandising, like, they made a whole lot of money off of Star Wars already. Um, so, yeah, I definitely don't think making the money back, you know, should be influencing their their decision-making, especially not at this point. Like, they should just be thinking of, okay, what, you know, what do the fans want from this property now? You know? So, like, I think that what he's saying just makes sense. Um, now, of course, and, and you, you briefly mentioned this as well, I mean, people are pointing out that he did not mention Ryan Johnson's, um, he did not mention Ryan Johnson's trilogy, and people are like, what does that mean in regards to Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Um, because people were just, you know, keeping it real, some people were very, very shaky on The Last Jedi. People were like, I didn't like this movie. Uh, you know, like, yeah. it's just... Um, so people were saying, is he still going to get a trilogy? They announced his trilogy, uh, before The Last Jedi even came out. Now, I enjoyed The Last Jedi, but, you know, a lot of people didn't, or a lot of people had issues with it. So I think it makes sense to kind of wonder, is he still going to do a whole trilogy? Um, and I, you know, I, while I like the, the movie, I don't know if I would have given him a trilogy after the movie. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, that's what they decided to do. Um, so now he has a trilogy, uh, and, uh, that was one of the, uh, one, that's one of the projects that Iger did not mention in terms of when looking towards the future projects. Now he, he didn't mention Favreau's show either. So, I mean, you could, you know, wait, so, okay. So we know the Favreau show's happening. He didn't mention that. Um, and as you also mentioned, he also didn't mention anything regarding, uh, James Mangold and Boba Fett or, um, uh, uh, Obi-Wan, and I forget the guy's name that was attached to that. Yeah, it was not a big name. Yeah, at one point they said that the director was attached to the project. But his name isn't coming to me, but that guy. They didn't mention him. He didn't mention him. He didn't mention, so he didn't mention a bunch of different things that we're hearing are potentially in development or are being created or what, what have you. So, um, But yeah, this is an interesting story. It's a developing you know, thing. We're still looking to, to see what um, if Iger ends up making any more statements or if we get any more news regarding um, uh, regarding what Lucasfilm is going to do going forward. Now, we have more news regarding Lucasfilm's um, uh, executives, not to you know bore people with executive talk and board meetings, but um, we've got... Uh, so we've got some... Um, uh, we've got some news regarding Kathleen Kennedy. And Kendall mentioned this uh, at the top of the show as well. 
So uh, apparently Kathleen Kennedy has gotten an extension on her contract, which I didn't even know her contract was going to expire, <laughs> but apparently it was. And she got an extension on it through 2021, which uh, is not a very long extension. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's three years, which is OK. But I mean, Star Wars could is forever <laughs> or at least for, you know, the extended time period in three years. I mean, uh, I mean, it's not like she's ancient, you know, it's not like these actors are ancient three years from now. They could be do Star Wars movies for five, six, seven years, potentially. So, um, and Star Wars is a property you can just keep making content. And if they're going to be slowing it down, as Iger said, three years from now, we may have only had maybe maybe one, maybe two more movies. You know, so are they going to extend her contract again? I mean, but, you know, she got a, a, a reprieve, I guess you could say, and they extended her contract to 2021. Um, but this, it, it, this extension that we're hearing about is coming from The Hollywood Reporter as well. It's kind of it kind of uh, confirms basically the rumors that we were hearing that she was kind of in the hot seat in terms of whether she was going to keep her position as president of Lucasfilm. Um, now this uh, doesn't surprise me. When the news came out, it didn't surprise me because um, well, when the news was coming out, when I say the news, I mean the news that she may have been in the hot seat or they may have been uh, having all these these roundtable discussions and meetings where. Um, she was being criticized and, and, and things. And that didn't really surprise me because, you know, and I mean, I have issues with the route that they're going and I don't think that the route that they're going has been wise. And I think that it has backfired. Um, uh, and I think that, um, uh, I think that they know that it, they could be, it, it, they could be succeeding much more than they are now. At the very least. So I, I definitely could see the president of Lucasfilm getting a lot of heat for that. Because Star Wars is such a beloved franchise. And I think to some extent it's kind of... Uh, I wouldn't say it's hard. It's, it's weird. It's, I wouldn't say it's hard to mess up. But to to make Star Wars and have so much animosity. You know. Or, or so, so much people that are just like, I don't support this at all whatsoever. Um, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, well, it's strange when you look at Marvel, Marvel yeah. has kind of a similar property and it's not nearly as divisive. Yeah. It's not nearly as divisive and they have a lot of, and they're getting talented. They just get talented directors. They have a story that makes sense. They tell different stories and they're, they're, it's it's a formula where it's a success after success after success, with with you know there's sure there's some outlying criticism but nothing major nothing major. Now, yeah. These movies and there isn't right. and you can't really blame the fan base because there's an overlap in Star Wars and Marvel fans. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean the Star Wars fan base is is, is can be fickle at times, but if you make a good story. You know, like, and and it, it makes sense, and it's you know original content. The fans will get behind it, and I think if the if the criticism is you know either unfounded or um, or uh, you know uh, is minuscule, then it'll eventually. I think I I believe that it will eventually um, die down. 
and it, or that it will just be it just wouldn't be a big deal. Um, now I think some of the criticisms of the new the sequel trilogy have been valid, and I've been one of the people that has criticisms. Of course, of course, I'm going to think it's valid, but you know, I think that I think that they are legit criticisms from legit fans that aren't just nitpicking everything that just want <laughs> new original content and uh, expect more from from people who say that they love Star Wars and always were Star Wars fans and, and love all this content and, and et cetera, et cetera. But they don't, you know, they have real criticisms with the content that they're getting. So, so yeah, she's in the hot seat. She got an extension. Um, but the extension for me, the 2021 extension, that's, that's kind of like a, okay, yeah, we're, we'll extend you for now. Let's see how you do kind of thing. That's what this looks like to me. Kind of. Yeah. This, I mean, a three-year extension, you hear that in sports and you think, oh, wow, that's a long time. You know, they're there for the future. But I feel like, I mean, when I just think about it on the movie calendar, it feels like three years probably isn't that long. You know, I mean, three years is I mean, maybe two more, three more Star Wars movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, like, maybe two. I mean, I just saying they're going to slow this down. Like, that's maybe, like, two movies. I mean, we had the last day. That's a year and a half out. Yeah. Um, we Or it was a year and a half. Like, a year and a quarter out. And we've got... That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing that's on yeah. the calendar right and now. It's 2020. Um, and then at that point, it's like, okay, clock's ticking. You know? Yeah. You know, they're going to have to start filming stuff. They're going to start officially announcing stuff. Maybe the Benioff and Weiss projects come out. Or maybe uh, we get confirmation on Kenobi or Boba Fett or something. But uh, like you said, that's no more than two or three movies at that point. And I, a lot of they will definitely hinge on how Episode Nine does. Right. Um, I definitely feel like... Part of this extension has to do with continuity for episode nine. Um, I do think it would be an awkward. It put Lucasfilm and Disney in an awkward position if they made a such a huge transition of power uh, going into episode nine. And then there was the talk that oh she would do it and then she'd step down. They would uh, implement a successor plan or succession plan for Kathleen Kennedy. I mean you can do that, but. I don't think that Bob Iger, as evidenced by this extension, I don't think that he thinks that she can't do the job. Right. I, I do think that he has questions, which is why this extension isn't a lifetime extension. This isn't a, like a, a Greg Berlanti with Warner Brothers going to give you half a billion dollars over 15 years <laughs> lifetime deal. Like this is more so like we'll give you we'll give you a, a time extension of three years. To hopefully get your act together, or I'm guessing she'll be out here. Um, I, I'm one that I defend Kathleen Kennedy's the job that she did on The Force Awakens and the job she did since Disney's taken over Lucasfilm. I think that whole transition was done seamlessly. And like I said, the Star Wars brand was arguably the hottest brand in Hollywood coming off of The Force Awakens. And as much credit as she gets for that, being the head of Lucasfilm, she gets all the blame, not all of them, but she gets a lot of the blame for what has been a very, very, very uh, divisive property over the last calendar year. And that's, I mean, Star Wars, again, 
we can talk about Marvel Marvel the gold standard. You can't always talk about Marvel. Because the other the other side of the spectrum is DC, which is also very divisive. But even with DC, I do feel like there is more unity in the sense that I think the fans, the hardcore fans of DC do love the movies. Um, mm-hmm. It's more so I think the critics are not as high on the movies. Where I feel like Star Wars is almost like the opposite. I feel like a lot of the hardcore fans aren't as much a fan of these newer movies. The critics that say, oh, it's not too bad. Um... So that that's where I would say there's a difference there, but Marvel is it's universally positive in most cases. Um, but if you're Star Wars, you want to strive to be like Marvel Studios, and there's no reason why they can't. They've got the properties, they've got they're under the same umbrella, they've got the money. The only thing is they're run by totally different people and Kevin Feige and remember there were talks that Kevin Feige was going to be running Lucasfilm I mean yeah. I, I don't know if he would have left Marvel Studios to do it or if he would have had dual positions and again he would have got a Greg Berlanti kind of contract but the fact that we're talking about Kathleen Kennedy getting extension in general I think it's, it's a sign that she was on the hot seat that that wasn't smoke that there was some there was some real smoke to that fire because, uh, like, we're not talking about Kevin Feige getting a contract extension. That's unnecessary. Right. He's not going anywhere. The only, the only stories you talk about Kevin Feige in terms of job security are whether or not he will leave at some point. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so this is uh, this is definitely evidence that something, um, you know, there are question marks surrounding um her ability to to lead this franchise for a very extended period of time. I agree with you that Iger seems to have faith in her. Um, you know, in in her ability to at least manage this franchise um, from a business perspective. Um, but in terms of long term, he may be looking elsewhere. He may be thinking further ahead. Um, we've heard nothing of an extension until now. Now, I don't know exactly how these contracts work. I was not under the impression that this was like an, like a sports type of thing where you just have a limited contract and you just let go. Um, now, I was more so under the impression that they were just, okay, this is the leader. This is just your job. You know, it's not that you're not a contracted person. You know, yeah. well, I mean, you, but it's not like you're like, you know, okay, your time is up, kind of thing. Like, yeah, like you're getting a week. normal person. Yeah, like you're just there. This is your position. This is what you do. This is your salary. That's it. You know, but apparently, no. Apparently, not for Kathleen Kennedy. So I, I didn't. I don't know if this is just how the position is structured, or if this is a sign that they're looking to possibly let her go or to just move on. Again, and maybe like, this timeline is that transition period that they were talking about. Right. Maybe maybe there is no future for Kathleen Kennedy past this three years. I mean, she's not the youngest person in the world. She may want to do other things in Hollywood and her life. Maybe she doesn't want to be running Lucasfilm for the next decade. So maybe yeah. they feel like three years is enough time for them to find an actual success and an actual successor as opposed to rushing through that process. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what the conversations are behind the scenes. And we don't know what the influences are. Um, but 
we do know that we've been hearing that there's been a lot of heat um, and a lot of uh, a lot of scrutiny with regards to Kathleen Kennedy specifically, and that, and we're and I mean we know that a lot of people were very disappointed with some of the recent things coming out of Lucasfilm. So I mean this this kind of news is going to lead someone to believe that that there's a lot of just negative negative energy coming coming out of the uh, Lucasfilm executives and that they um, and the Disney executives specifically and that they may be uh, looking uh, to fire somebody or, or replace somebody or just uh, change whoever who's leading the ship so um, so I mean we'll we'll see what happens with this story um, you know honestly it makes makes you wish uh, or I wouldn't say it makes you wish, but it kind of makes you miss the days when it's just George, you know. Yeah, much simpler. Yeah, much simpler. It's just what's next for the story, not all of this. Okay, who's the president? Who's the executive? Yeah, what uh, their contract like? Yeah, oh, their contract was extended. What does that mean? This guy's doing a trilogy. What does that mean? Like, uh, so it's just George and his project. Like, it was a much much simpler time, but oh. Oh yeah, this is definitely a different time, but at least we're getting more Star Wars content. All right, so next we have some uh, Star Wars Resistance news. So we got another, another kind of trailer, I guess you could say. Uh, some clips were released, though we didn't watch the clips. Um, but there was a, a kind of another trailer. I, I would call it a trailer. Um, it was this extended sneak peek it was, uh, through the Star Wars YouTube page, YouTube page, and it shows more from Star Wars Resistance. Now, it shows more of the, um, what appears to be, I guess, the actual plot. I, I don't know what the plot of this show is going to be. This story made the plot seem much more interesting and much more involved, much more surrounding uh, missions for Kaz and his team to investigate the First Order, which is much more interesting than, I'm just going to be a racer, which is all we've seen, basically, so far. I'm going to be a racer... I'm Goofy, and I have Goofy friends. That's kind of all I've seen so far. This showed something. It showed basically like a, an actual plot, which is, um, you know, Poe Dameron finds me, has a mission for me to spy on the First Order. Leia's involved. Uh, the Poe's talking about how they're building a base, and it looks like a star killer. And, and Kaz and his, and his team have to infiltrate the First Order. And they have to spy on them, and et cetera, and so on and so forth. And so uh, it, it looks um, decent, still very kiddie, but it lo- it's at least uh, interesting. You know, it looks interesting. And um, uh, and again, I, I still like the idea that they're pilots. I think it's very cool. Um, you actually see them flying X-Wings, which is pretty cool. But... Um, uh, it's just a matter of making sure that this is something that is interesting, honestly. Because if it's just a kid's show, that's going to be hard for me to watch. It's going to be hard for me to sit through. Rebels had a lot of episodes like that that were hard for me to sit through. Um, some were spectacular, but others were hard for me to sit through. So I'm hoping this show is not like that. I'm hoping that Kaz is not as childish as, as Ezra. But we shall see. Yeah, I mean, one of the... Uh Members of the Lucasfilm story group, Matt Martin, uh, took to Twitter to kind of reference some things on Rebels, not Rebels, Resistance. I feel like I'm going to show Rebels a million times. 
because the name's not really that much more to say. But uh, I took the Twitter to release some tidbits on resistance. And speaking on Kaz, like you mentioned, you know, someone asked him, what, how old is Kaz? Is he around the same age as Ezra? Because he certainly seems similar to Ezra in many regards. And uh, Martin had responded to the fan saying that he can't say how old Kaz is because we don't really know how they haven't been stated how old Kaz is, but that he is not a kid and that he's that's why he's a member of uh, the Resistance and I believe the Resistance Air Force or Navy or something like that. But that's why that that's why that's why he's in the Resistance. But uh, I'm just guessing his the tone of the show is the reason why he acts the way he does. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like his his voice is so high pitched and he's always like yeah yeah he, like it's just like he's <laughs> like yeah also another interesting tidbit on Kaz is that uh there was an article on an animation magazine.com that talked about it was, it was a resistance feature and in the article there were plenty plenty of interesting tidbits but in the article they talking about Kaz they talked about his backstory is that his father is actually a senator and that he kind of is the opposite of your Luke Skywalker or your Ray, where they kind of come from nothing. He's trying to get out of the shadow of his father being some big time senator or whatever. Mm. So um, that's one interesting story that they, I guess, will touch upon at some point. Uh, I also wonder if how that will factor in, how The Force Awakens could potentially factor in, because we also you know what happens in The Force Awakens to uh, the Hagian, uh system and yeah. the, the entire New Republic. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's something that we'll be covering in that show, but that could end up being a little dark. But overall, uh, in, in terms of the trailer that they released this week, uh, way better than the first one. Um, I don't think that the YouTube like dislike ratio will reflect that because it's still <laughs> thousands, tens of thousands of dislikes. But at the same time, I I definitely feel like there was an improvement. Uh, yes, it was longer, and some may say that's the reason why it was better. It just had more time to flesh it out. But I really do think that Filoni and the people working on Resistance step back. Uh, stepped back and realized that that first show was not good and it did not serve what they were trying to get across. Maybe it did serve what they were trying to get across, but they did realize what they were trying to get across may not have been the right idea and that they had to change they had to, well, they had to change some things about the way the show was being marketed. While it it still was very kid-friendly that trailer, there was just way more action Way more things happening, and we got more shots of cool, interesting characters that we're gonna want to watch as the show progresses. You know, obviously it had Princess Leia in there, or General Leia, I should say. Uh, who the woman, by the way, that plays her, one does an excellent Leia imper- impersonation. Uh, I thought it sounded like Carrie Fisher at first. I was like, is that Carrie Fisher? Uh, but two probably will be playing her much longer. <laughs> After uh, she had some uh, interesting comments on social media that uh, about the the whole Brett Kavanaugh hearing that will uh, probably end her career as a Star Wars actress, voice actress, but 
Um, but, but seeing Princess Leia, seeing Captain Phasma, uh, who I, I want to say is going to be played by Gwendolyn Christie, and certainly sounded like it. And obviously put more Poe Dameron. I'm all for this show. You know, oh, well, I would say I'm all for it. I'm all for giving the show a chance. And seeing that the first episode is one hour definitely does give me hope that all right, we're going to get a good amount of stuff to talk about for you guys next week. And that this show may be a legitimate thing. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, also, in that article that featured in Animation Magazine, he talked about how the age range of the show officially is 6 to 12, which from what I heard is the same was the same for Rebels and maybe even Clone Wars, but that they want the show to speak to, or they want the show to be enjoyable for anyone from ages 6 to 70. So, if you're 71, I'm sorry, you can't really watch this show, it's not for you. But, um, no, I, I'm excited though. I think this could be a good show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think it, it has, of course it has the potential. You know, it always has the potential. The show has the potential to be good. And the sequel trilogy has the potential to be good. We just need more involved story. Um, a story that fleshes out the universe more. Um, I think that was good about not only the original trilogy, also the, the prequel trilogy, or I guess especially the people trilogy, uh, but also the, in the original trilogy, is that they, the universes felt real. And again, I'm not going to go on a thing bashing the sequel trilogy, but this universe feels like a very much like a cardboard cutout of <laughs> of the original trilogy universe, but it's just not the same thing. It's just a, re- a Disney recreation. It feels like Disneyland. You know, it's like, come on, like give me that, a real thing, like a real universe here. I feel like they're trying with the, some of the expanded... Um, some of the, or I guess, uh, extra content that we're getting in other mediums outside of the movies, and that's only in some, but when they, when they do things like, uh, destroy the New Republic, basically, off camera, and we didn't even know there was a New Republic or what was going on, they just want to set the stage for a new Rebel versus Empire war, and then, um, you know, they, and then they just kind of, don't address what the state of the galaxy is and show and just show the second version of that. And then in shows like Resistance, if it feels like it's just a kid's show and when they could be expanding the universe more and giving us that information, which is kind of what Clone Wars did, where a lot of people were like, okay, well, where's the Anakin Skywalker that we hear about in the original trilogy? Well, Clone Wars said, okay, well, let me show you that general Anakin Skywalker, you know? And Clone Wars actually expanded the universe a lot more. Like, a lot more. and gave us so much more content. And Rebels tried to do the same thing. And it did succeed in some ways. Um, and it made some important steps as well in other ways in introducing Thrawn and other things as well. Um, but resi- And I, I hope Resistance does the same thing. I mean, that's my hope, is that it tries to expand on the universe. The sequel trilogy desperately needs it. That's what I was hoping to get from this show, was... Okay, Star Wars Resistance. Now we're getting some, okay, what is going on in this trilogy? We can expand the world, the, the, the galaxy in the sequel trilogy. We can learn more about the Resistance, more about, um, you know, just the, the world at large at this time. Which Poe tried to do. The, the comic, did, did, I think it did a decent job of, 
of showing what what Poe and and uh, and his uh, his squadron of fighters what they were doing in the resistance and what the being in the resistance was like before episode seven. I thought it did a good job of showing that. So I thought I thought I think that this show can do the same thing, but it just has to be a real show. It can't just be a kid show. Can't just have kid jokes with Kaz acting all weird and goofy. It, we need actual uh, story. So I'm hoping we get that. Um, I'm very much hoping we get that from this show. Um, all right. So on that note, uh, I've, I'm going to do the brief, very brief uh, comic review um, for you guys. And, of course, uh, with, with all reviews that we do in the show, big spoiler warning. Um, so there's Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron is, is complete. The comic series is over. Uh, I tip my hat to Charles, Charles soul. He did a, a, a fantastic job, I think in writing this, uh, comic. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, I thought it was a, a fitting and good conclusion. It ends after the last Jedi, after the battle of crate. Um, Poe is sent to save, uh, the rest of his his uh, squad mates who, um, in trying to in following a distress signal and trying to recruit other worlds to help the resistance, um, uh, they end up getting kind of trapped in uh, in uh, uh, trying to help uh, these these people on this planet and help them survive the first order. Now it's funny because Poe comes in to save the day, basically. Um, they're kind of pinned down, they're trapped, and he mentions, he, he in a very Poe Dameron fashion, he hails the First Order cruiser uh, that's trying to basically, like, destroy uh, the, the, the city and the town, and he says, hey guys, guess what? He just tells them that Supreme Leader is dead, he tells them that, <laughs> uh, you know, that it's like, oh, you guys, are you fighting for an empire where there's no, there isn't even any more Supreme Leader? Um, yeah. and they're just like, well, who do we follow down? What's going on? And this person in charge is like, he's lying. And it's like, oh my God. And it's like, um, it's just a very fun thing. Cause it's like, okay, well, how are they really going to react to this in episode nine? Now the Supreme leader is just gone. You know, cause there are people, uh, first order people across the galaxy that probably don't even know this. They don't even know what's going on. One of them was like, do we follow Hux now? What's going on? So it was very, it was a very fun uh, little Easter egg there. But, uh, but he ends up saving his squad. He gets a new fighter. It's like it looks almost like a, a sort of like an A wing. Not not. It's, it doesn't look like an X wing at all. So, but it's a black fighter. So I don't know if he'll have that in episode nine. Um, but it it's, it's a really cool looking fighter, and uh, he saves his squad mates. He ends up recruiting this basically this planet to help the resistance. They say you can use this planet as a base if you want. Like you, we're with the resistance. So it was really really cool to see. And um, uh, it was just it was just a good ending, you know. It was a good ending. Poe had a really really good run with a lot of really cool characters and cool stories. And uh, you know, again, I commend Charles Soule. I think he did a really really good job writing this comic. Um, and and I'm also been catching up in uh, Doctor Afra. I'm not completely caught up, um, but I'm very very I'm getting close. I'm very I'm getting close. To it, um, I think there was a very interesting arc in Afro where she ended up interacting with Hera from Star Wars Rebels. Now she ends up kidnapping Hera and trying to, um, which honestly I thought they made Hera seem a little, look a little bit uh, weak, I guess you could say, 
she just gets kidnapped by Afra and uh, Afra and a bunch of other goon, a bunch of other. Uh, I don't even want to call them battlingers. I guess like kind of like mercenary. I guess goons. Um, uh, and they and they ca- so they capture Hera. They go to sell. They go to the Empire to. Uh, they don't really want to trade Hera in, but they just needed her to use her to get into this base, this one of Tarkin's uh, research bases, because um, they had she had to steal data for that evil C three PO droid who she's now working for. It's a very kind of a weird story. I feel like Afra's kind of falling off the rails a little bit in terms of what they're doing with the story, um, but. Uh, you know, so then the, you know, Hera ends up, um, uh, they end up getting, Hera ends up getting back to the rebellion. Um, uh, she ends up getting, she, her and the other, uh, rebels end up letting Afra go because she gives them all this data from the Tarkin base. So they're like, all right, fine, we'll let you go. Um, which I thought was a little weird, but you know, whatever. Um, so they let her go and then it ends up, it turns out the data is encrypted. So it's kind of like a ha ha kind of thing. So, um, but I thought it was cool seeing Hera in a comet. I thought that was very interesting. And Afra has this kind of this long, this long kind of relationship thing going on with this Imperial, uh, person, um, Lieutenant Tolvan, or I think it may even be Captain Tolvan now. I think he may have gotten a promotion, but it's, I don't know. I mean, it's Okay. Um, but it's not, it, it, I don't know, it's not, it's not getting me. It's not getting me completely invested. Uh, this, this comic's been all over the place, namely with weird ancient techno Jedi, or Je- ancient Jedi, or ancient force users, I don't even know if it, it, it calls itself a Jedi at this point, but it controls, like, technology, and now, it, where I, at least where I am, it looks like she may be interacting, may, she may be meeting up with the Jedi again on some other planet. So, Afra has been a really, really weird comic. Um, uh, but where I am now in the comic, they're in, they're reintroducing. Um, uh, I believe her name is Sora. It's either Sora or Sona, but it's the lady that said the, where it was a big scandal where she said she was Han Solo's wife, but she wasn't. Um, so she's coming back into the comic, and it looks like the yeah, Rebels. Sona, I believe. Huh? Yeah, Sona. I believe. Yeah, Sona. So she's going back into this comic. They reveal that she may have had a thing with Afra in the past. So she is going to be, um, or the rebels want her to capture Afra and bring her in. So it should be fun to see, to see them interact. So that's where I am right now in the Afra comic. But it's been, it's been okay. I think it's been up and down. So the story's kind of lagging a little bit. It's getting a little, a little weird, <laughs> a little confusing. Even for Star Wars, it's getting a little weird. So I'm just like, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. I guess. Sana. Yeah, Sana. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how, uh, we'll see how things shape up with Afra. Um, uh, but Kendo, I don't know, do you have anything to say on any of these, uh, comics or any of these stories? Um, well, the only thing I, I, I can add is that, uh, one thing Matt Martin was also talking about in regards to Resistance was that, uh, it actually takes place right after the Poe Dameron comic. Uh, but, or in between the Poe Dameron comic book before, uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, he mentioned episode one specifically, so he could have been talking about, um, he could have been talking about, 
you know, only episode one, and then the show going forward then transitions past Force Awakens, but that wasn't really explained. Uh, so, for as 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 far as we know right now, only episode one of Resistance uh, we can we know is confirmed to be taking place in between Poe Dameron and uh, and the Force Awakens. So, whatever happened in that Poe Dameron comic. Uh, you can assume Poe has all those things in his mind when you see him in Resistance. Right. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So, um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. When we, who knows? Maybe we'll see someone from the Poe comic in Resistance. In Resistance. I mean, we really don't know. Um, but it will definitely be. Um, It'll definitely be something. So it, that would definitely be fun to see because Poe's in Resistance. So that would be interesting. Um, all right. So I think that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, so next week uh, we've got New York Comic Con, so we um, uh, may have some news coming directly out of New York Comic Con, um, and of course we uh, will be reviewing Resistance as well. So we um, will have that for you guys. That should be a fun show. Uh, to say the least um and i've been reading through the uh novel from a certain point of view there's a really a lot of uh um uh, i call the stories fun i mean i've i've heard some people were kind of down on it on the book <laughs> um which i mean some of the stories feel felt a little uh they're all side stories but some of them felt a little excessively irrelevant um there's a story with a jawa so it's just a jawa story and i'm just like I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's like, okay, come on, <laughs> you know. But I mean, some of the, but some of the, uh, you know, stories are really cool. So, um, and I think that that story is kind of the basis for this most Eisley Cantina movie or Tatooine movie that we've been hearing about. So I'll, it'll be interesting to talk about. So I'm probably gonna gonna broach that topic on the next show as well. Um, but all right, so that'll do it for this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm your host, Shamari Joe McKenna, and we will see you guys next week.